Welcome to Beautiful Baggage, confidence, wellness, and wisdom through travel and everyday adventure. I'm Stephanie Martin-Taylor, your guide to this podcast journey. Thanks for joining me. Hello and happy Thursday, or whatever day of the week it happens to be when you're listening. This is part three of a three-part episode I've titled Dreaming the Impossible Dream. All three are designed to get you thinking about your travels and other life adventures for the year 2020 and beyond. In the first two episodes, as many of you will recall, I talked about the power of dreaming big and visualizing whatever it is you want to experience in your life places you want to go, career goals, the types of people you'd like to interact with. I share my belief that when you set big goals, visualize yourself achieving them, and then start taking action in that direction, even if you don't quite know how you're going to get to your destination, you're much more likely to figure it out. And while few dreams pan out exactly how you pictured, because you've taken the time to really set an intention and visualize what you want, you will have also set yourself up to draw in other experiences that are aligned with your vision. One of the reasons I know this is just through my life experience, and especially the story I'm about to share with you about working with Dr. Maya Angelou. About 15 years ago, I found myself sitting alone in this extremely famous American writer's living room in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, waiting for her to come downstairs to greet me. And as I looked around at her collection of canes and walking sticks near the front door, her impressive array of art on the walls in the living room, I felt on one hand a sense of complete disbelief, and on the other hand a sense that I don't think it's a complete accident of fate that I'm here. I feel like maybe I had a dream about this once, some sort of premonition. I couldn't really pinpoint why I felt that way, but it just felt preordained in some way. I was at Dr. Angelo's house because just a few days earlier, her assistant, Ms. Barry, called me at the local NPR station, where I worked as an anchor and reporter. Ms. Barry's first name was Fran, but just about everyone addressed her as Ms. Barry because, as I learned pretty quickly, formal titles were important in Dr. Angelo's world. Before I went over to her home for the first time, Ms. Barry made it very clear to me that using the doctor title was extremely important. Good friends like Oprah, say, might be able to address her as simply Maya. But since I had only spoken to Dr. Angelo once before, to conduct a really warm but pretty brief phone interview with her to air on the radio, I was nowhere close to being ready to drop the formalities. (laughs) Anyway, Ms. Barry had called me at the radio station and asked if I would come over and help Dr. Angelo record a radio public service announcement. Occasionally, she would lend her voice to charities and nonprofits and other causes she believed in. For this first visit to her home, I can't recall who or what this particular piece of audio was for. I think the nervousness I felt that day blotted that detail from my mind. And I had a reason to be nervous. I had never been asked to engineer a public service announcement for anyone before, let alone a woman hailed as one of the most significant voices of our time. But I knew how to use radio recording equipment, of course. And after Dr. Angelo emerged from upstairs and greeted me with a beaming smile, she ushered me to my dining room table and we got started. Not much small talk before we got to work, by the way. I learned very quickly that she didn't really do small talk. And looking back on it, why would she? I mean, she was a larger-than-life public figure with big things to talk about. 
As I was setting up my equipment, she told me about the three Grammys she had won in the spoken word non-musical album category. And I learned that she had been catching up very quickly with Orson Welles for the number of Grammy nominations in that category. She seemed really thrilled by this, and I told her how amazing that was. And I thought, oh my gosh, yet another reason I really can't mess this recording up. And luckily I didn't, and Ms. Barry called me to invite me back for another recording session a month or two later. Now, why did I sense at the time, and still now, that it wasn't really all that far-fetched that I would wind up in Dr. Maya Angelou's home at some point during my life? Well, this was the year 2005, and if you'll recall in my last two podcasts, almost exactly five years earlier, when I was working in TV news in Idaho Falls, Idaho, I was doing a lot of goal setting and vision boarding work. As I explained in episode 21, vision boarding is when you collect photographs and words and artwork from magazines and other places, and then you create a collage of sorts. The collage serves as a kind of visual roadmap for your goals and dreams. On top of that exercise, I had spent a great deal of time immersing myself in literature and television programs that I found positive and inspiring. And one of the areas where I was really focusing a lot of my attention was on the work of Oprah Winfrey. Because I was working as a television news anchor, my hours were unusual, and so I did have time to watch daytime TV a lot, and also Oprah had just launched her own magazine. Oh, it was brand new back then, and a lot of what I was putting on my vision board was coming from that magazine, because all of the articles and just the general vibe of the magazine was very positive, very future-focused very pointed toward helping people, women especially, live a richer and more fulfilling life. And I really needed the inspiration. I was working very hard in an environment that could feel pretty isolating at times in the sense that I didn't have any family connections or friend connections when I got my job at the TV station there. I had come out there strictly to cut my teeth as a reporter and news anchor, and the hours were long irregular, and I didn't have a proper weekend because I worked on the weekends. And with those challenges, I needed as much motivation and encouragement as I could get. And I remember specifically being riveted to an interview that Oprah did with Dr. Maya Angelou and feeling like it was a message I needed to hear. Dr. Angelou was talking about resiliency and the importance of finding ways to lift yourself up, especially when it feels like no one else supports you. She used a phrase I'd never heard before pecked to death by ducks. She said, don't allow yourself to be pecked to death by ducks. In other words, don't allow people who are small-minded and perhaps feel threatened by you in some way, make little swipes at your soul in an effort to tear you down completely. The message resonated with me because television was such a competitive medium. It still is. And even at that level, even in Idaho Falls, Idaho, the television stations were full of young people who'd come out from all over the country to make their start as news anchors, reporters, sportscasters, meteorologists, and the environment could feel hyper-competitive and mean-spirited sometimes, to be honest. And I was sensitive, and it didn't always feel like a safe place to be emotionally. So to sit there in my apartment watching Oprah, who was also navigating the tough world of television, receive advice from a wise elder like Dr. Angelo was really comforting. And it helped steal my resolve to keep pushing forward with my goals, even though I often felt like quitting. Another thing that when I look back on it kind of gives me goosebumps is that 
I was looking at that interview online the other day, and in one of the very first editions of O Magazine, around the time I was reading it cover to cover and cutting out photos and words for my vision book, Oprah had written a first-person article about her love of visiting Dr. Angelo at her home in Winston-Salem. And she described the home in some detail and included the fact that there was a sculpture garden in the backyard. One of the first things I noticed when I sat down to record the public service announcement in the dining room there was the sculpture garden, which you could see through the dining room window. What I realize now is that I had read that article, and while I didn't remember the details of it enough to make the connection when I was in Dr. Angelo's home, I think somehow I had absorbed them on a cellular level. It was part of my visioning. It was never an explicit goal of mine to go there and see what Oprah had described, but I do believe that in my process of reading and dreaming and looking forward and surrounding myself with images and literature and people that inspired me did lead me on a path to the amazing experience I had at Dr. Angelo's home five years later. So yes, that was an impossible dream that I didn't even really know I had. But while I was dreaming other crazy things that seemed very impossible, I was also aligning myself with other things that I didn't even know I wanted. As I said, I had the privilege of working with Dr. Angelo twice in her home. The second time I got called over there, it was to record another public service announcement. This one, I remember, it had to do with an initiative to ramp up research on Alzheimer's disease. What was really special about that visit was that she had also just written a poem called On Aging. I don't know if it was inspired by the initiative to do more research on Alzheimer's, but it was basically a poem that she had written about the aging experience. And just seemingly off the cuff while I was there, while my recorder was running, she recited that poem perfectly and passionately. And again, I just sat there in disbelief thinking, this is happening. I cannot believe this is happening. And then on another level, I was thinking, yeah, this experience is totally aligned with dreams I've had of meeting extraordinary people and traveling to extraordinary places. On some level, it just makes sense. To wrap up the story, Ms. Berry called my radio station a third time to ask me to work with Dr. Angelo again. But at that point, I had just left North Carolina for a new job in San Francisco. That was the culmination of another dream I had envisioned for myself five years earlier and gotten the backbone to pursue, actually, in large part due to that interview on Oprah with Dr. Angelo. I always wonder what would have happened had I not taken that job in San Francisco, how that working relationship might have developed over time. But I don't mourn it because one of my colleagues, a young African-American woman much younger than me, picked up where I left off. And over time, she and Dr. Angelo developed a very strong bond to the point where Dr. Angelo asked her to address her as, no, not Maya, but grandmother. And it makes me smile because my leaving opened the door to a relationship that was clearly very special to both parties. So I say all that to say, dream big. Immerse yourself in artwork, books, podcasts, documentaries, and other things that keep you inspired. You never know what amazing experiences might come your way when your mind is open and receptive and you are actively working toward your goals. Thank you again for joining me on Beautiful Baggage. And if you're curious about the poem on aging or want to read the O Magazine article about Dr. Angela's home, I've got links to both of those in this episode's show notes. You can find that on my website, yourbeautifulbaggage.com. See you next time.